Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Christina Bullman. Christina, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Christina is an experienced attorney, mediator, and parenting coordinator. Christina works with ultra-high conflict parents to resolve issues. Just those words, ultra-high conflict, give me a stomach ache. Can you tell me what that looks like? So this is where there is little to no co-parenting relationship. This is where we have kiddos caught in the middle. This is where um, conflict has been going on post-divorce for multiple years um, or during the divorce. This is where the parents have repeatedly returned to court for contempt or motions to modify this is where we have outside service providers being drugged into this. You know, we're arguing with baseball coaches and school teachers, and we're having to have multiple parent-teacher conferences. Um, we've had some parents that have been asked not to come onto the school grounds. I mean, we're talking the cream of the crop, the worst of the worst. We have very little communication skills. On the other hand, we do have some that the court would call ultra-high conflict. And typically, if we can put some protocols in place and some rules for communication, we see that things settle down pretty quickly. So how does a client get to you? So mine will typically come through court appointments. And the reason that we choose to do this is because if they come to me privately, they pay private practice fees, right? Right. they come through the court and I'm appointed pursuant to a local rule. They pay the court's um, fee, which is typically between 60 and $75 an hour. Um, I'll either come because I was referred by a guardian um, or attorneys that I've worked with in the past. Um, Most of the magistrates in our local counties know what I do. Um, that kind of thing. So it's typically through a court appointment or a referral from a guardian. And are you meeting with both parents or just one? Always both. So typically the way I do it is I do an intake with both parents. I really need to figure out what the issues are. Um, And then we start. That's what the question is. What are you seeing are the big ticket issues that are just consistently at your, at your door? Um, so every case is a little bit different. Um, some of the, the bigger consistent issues we see is one or both parents have mental health issues um, or personality disorders. Um, we see conflicts because there's two very different parenting styles. Either one is very permissive and the other is very strict. Um, or we have sort of the helicopter parent and the free range parent. Um, and, and it doesn't mesh well um, together. Um, But the crux of all the issues is communication and an understanding and respect for the other parent. 
and respecting that if, you know, mom says, I have a concern about this, not throwing your hands up and saying, oh my goodness, you make such a big deal out of everything. And really, truly showing the respect and saying, okay, well, let's talk about this and let's see if there's anything that we can do to work together about this. Um, we just compromising. It is and, compromising. And you're not, you're not asking someone that is not able to do something to do it because you're mad. I have a question for you in regards to that, because I know you have more to say about that. Putting aside, which you don't get to do, but I get to do, because I can't work with it. For clients, I can't work with someone who's got mental health issues because I'm not experienced enough to do that. And I, there's no, I, it's a whole different boat. So putting aside those, do you still see ultra high contract, ultra high conflict when there are, minus the mental health issues, the other issues that you mentioned? Absolutely. I do too. And what I want to ask you, and I feel like it's kind of simple, but it's so much work, is I tell, I tell clients that the number one reason that their children will be harmed by not showing up at events because the other person's there, by putting them in the middle, by saying negative things about them, by allowing other people to say negative things about their parents, by doing lots of passive aggressive, yucky stuff. Mm -hmm. is because they're selfish. Correct. And they're not willing to do the emotional work it's going to take to get through their story. So when I work with people, I'm a coach, so I have the ability to kind of be hard on them. And I'm like, look, you get to tell me your story one time, and then we're done with it. Absolutely. And I say the same thing. It's great that you gave me some background information. <laughs> now I want to talk about what we're going to do going forward. Yeah. Because here's the thing. The decision is already made. They're no longer together. Mm -hmm. So you are talking about what happened and what went wrong, what they did and what she did. It doesn't matter. The marriage is over. Yep. Your only priority is how can we best raise these children? And something that I think that you definitely can connect with that I do, I actually believe that what you're doing and what I'm doing are very similar. It is. It is. It is. And that we can literally change the landscape of divorce for generations to come, because like you said, before we started talking and we're going to really get into it, we're creating mental health issues Correct. for children who are growing up to be teenagers and adults who get married or in relationships who have children. And then it keeps repeating and repeating. Yep. We're perpetuating this um, sort of some of the belief systems. I, I have sometimes referred to it as the golden uterus syndrome where just because you're the mom, you know, I'm the mom, I get to make all the rules. Well, we don't, we don't do that anymore. And it's not, you know, shut up dad and pay your child support anymore. Um, and then we talk about to the dads, because for a lot of our dads, what co-parenting is, is new for them. They're actually learning how to be a parent. Correct. And, and I always tell them, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, I don't know. And I don't know this. Okay, but you've just told me you want shared parenting and shared parenting means you have to share in the parenting. And that means that when Junior's sick, you don't call mom. You and say, I got a meeting. Can you pick them up? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's your responsibility to resolve that without having to involve the other parent. Now, if the relationship's good or we put some protocols in place, I say, well, then you call the other parent. But if not, your problem doesn't become their problem just because you have, suppose you were a single parent and the other parent wasn't around. Right. But what ends up happening if you really do the work and they really do the work to let go of their stories and their baggage 
is they can create a flexible relationship where if something does come up and it is their time, they can have a nice relationship enough to say, hey, I need some help. Correct. And there's not anger and resentment and scorekeeping that's going to say, no, you don't get help because you didn't do this, this, and this. Yeah. And those angry statements are not people that are saying, what is best for my child? Correct. Correct. And what I tried to remind my clients is that everything that we do has to be child focused. And I, I, you know, we're, we're dealing with a couple where they say, I want more time. I want more time. I want more time. And the kids are saying, I don't want more time. And they have some very specific rule uh, reasons why they don't want more time. What kind? Tell me some kind of reasons you're hearing. Um, the one parent doesn't cook homemade meals. It's always takeout food and I'm tired of takeout food. We don't have proper beds. It's a mattress thrown on the floor and it's very uncomfortable. Um, the parent doesn't know how to help me with my homework. Um, like these are very parents. Doesn't it make you want to cry when you hear yeah. it sometimes because it's the kids, like these kids, they don't have, they didn't ask for this. Right. And the parent is so focused on, well, if, if I don't get more time, I have to pay more child support and, and it's not fair that she gets more time. And I have to, you know, refocus that parent and say, what behaviors can we focus on to make your kids want to spend that additional time with you? Well, it's not true and it's not that uncomfortable. Okay. But if your kids are telling you that, then as a parent, don't you have an obligation to remedy that? You're telling me that you're prepared to drag her back to court for the third, fourth, fifth time, spending $2,500 on an attorney. Isn't that money better spent on hooking up the internet and getting new beds for your kids? And not even just the money, the emotional cost to both parents, because now they're super stressed because they have to take off work. They have to do legal stuff. They have to pay their bills. Then they're angry because they're getting text messages and calls and emails and letters and their kids are asking them for homework or they're hungry and they're snapping at them because they're frustrated and they're mad at their father or mother. And it's just the emotional toll besides the financial toll is you can't even count it. Right. And we also have, I, I've had a very unique one where neither parent was particularly bad, but they were very different. Um, and I believe what we were dealing with was a gifted child who had some very idiosyncratic behaviors. Um, and one parent was addressing it one way and another parent was addressing it a different way. Um, and we really had to get into some of the, the psychological parts of it and say, listen, when you have a kid um, that is gifted or is maybe developmentally delayed, there's some things as parents that you have to stop doing and you have to stop giving them the tablet because that's causing the kids to short circuit. And then you're blaming the other parent. Well, that's not what's happening. And we also have other parents that are giving the kids so much electronic time and then they start crying, well, I don't want to go to the other parents' because house. Because they know that there's there rules. Restrictions, correct. I bet this has been such a big change for your work over the last decade, probably, of, wait, what are we fighting about now? We're fighting about digital time? We are. It's a right? huge issue. It's a huge issue. I mean, it's in shared parenting plans now. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Because we have, parents are finally starting to recognize, whoops, whoops 
um, I let my kids have too much tech time and I believe and they're, they're crazy. crazy. Yeah, they're crazy <laughs> about it. Um, we also have the issue that parents don't know what their kids are supposed to know. And they're assuming that the schools are doing everything. And, and all of a sudden I have a kid on an IEP and my question to the parents is, well, how often do you read with your child? Oh, well, I, we don't have time for that in the evening. But you just told me Johnny gets about two hours of tech time. Right. So, I mean, when's the last time you called the school? Oh, well, mom always takes care of that. Well, but you're shared parenting. Right. So it's really about educating the parents. It's about setting up some parallel um, parameters in both homes. It's so about parallel for you is not co-parenting. Talk to us about the difference between parallel parenting and co-parenting. So technically speaking, they are different, but I do in the ultra high conflict cases, I do try to set up a component of parallel parenting, but there's also a mandatory component of co-parenting. So the parallel parenting stuff is the, the stupid stuff. It's the clothing exchanges. It's the sporting equipment exchanges. It's um, certain behaviors that I don't tolerate. We're not going to prohibit, for example, a child from saying hi to dad because it's mom's day. Oh my Lord. Please tell us right now the, the behaviors that you don't tolerate because I know that it's, it, it sounds ridiculous to say it out loud, but this is actually what's happening. So tell us, Behaviors that you see that you do not tolerate, because I, I have two that I don't tolerate, but I want your list. So I don't uh, tolerate any name calling of any kind. Yeah, that's one of my, that is just encapsulating of, there is no negative talk ever right. about the other parent, ever, <laughs> under no circumstances. And that includes if someone else is in the room saying it about them, you shut it down. Right, absolutely. Okay. So, hey, you don't talk about your dad that way. Um, if there's a problem, let's talk about the problem. Or like another relative saying it about their father or their mother, we right. shut that down. Right. Um, I don't permit um, sort of during exchanges, I limit what they're allowed to communicate about and they're not allowed to go beyond that scope. Um, and I, there's been a couple where I've said the next report that I hear I want to hear that you had a smile on your face and said, hey, how are you? Johnny had a great weekend um, because that's what I expect to, to be in front of the kids. So I don't allow any name calling or negative talk about the other parent. Um, I don't allow any sort of this, these games that we play at extracurricular activities um, where one parent um, can't, the child can't talk to the other parent because it's mom's time or whatever. So that's my second, and I only have two, and my second one is, under no circumstances are you to sit in separate sections. You are in a public place. No one's going to physically harm each other. There's people all around. You don't have to sit next to each other on each other's laps, but you can sit in the same row or in the same section. So when your kid hits a first base run, they look up to one place. Yeah. I mean, it gives me chills every time I talk about it to have that moment where they have to look in multiple places because you're so selfish that you can't be in the same space with someone that you wanted to live with for the rest of your life. Right. And you, you've created this child together. And um, the other thing is I don't, um, I've shut down a couple of them where we start talking to service providers, the school, the coaches about, well, our shared parenting plan says this, or our parent coordinator told me that we have to do this. 
all you need to say to that service provider is, can we schedule um, an appointment when I can get um, the dad on the phone? Or is it okay if I pay you half and dad pays you half? Would you prefer one of us pay you in full? Not bringing their drama and garbage all over town. Service providers, right, right. Um, and for the really, really high conflict, unless there's an issue of poverty, um, I mandate that they get on our family wizard. Um, and then Is that the app where they have to message each other and then they get in trouble for tone? No, it's not that they get in trouble for tone. Not so trouble, but like I have a client that if they don't, when they write something, the person in the middle sees it and they have to have a specific tone. So what I typically do is I use that, it's a, it's a court approved communication system and it has a calendar function, it has an information bank, it has an expense reimbursement function. It's, it's a fantastic tool. I like to use it to monitor communications and then when I see a communication that's gone outside of our rules, I say, okay, I label it parenting exercise and say, I want you to redo this email to comport with our rules. Um, or if a situation had happened over the weekend, I'll do parenting exercise. Please tell me what you each could have done differently. Um, I love so, that. Yeah. I have a question regarding that. One of my clients who is working so hard to have a North Star divorce, regardless of what her co-parent wants to do or doesn't want to do, is involved in a situation. They have one week on, one week off shared parenting, which I actually find to be really painful for the children. It's really, it's, it's really emotionally painful, especially for young children to be away from a parent for that long, but she is not allowed to talk to her own children for a week. They're only given like two times the whole week. And I'm like, why would you do anything to take away the ability to communicate with the other child? Like that with the other parent, like why would, why would any parent say, no, I don't want you to talk to your mom or dad. No, and I don't typically. Um, if you're told that by one of your clients, what do you do? So I tell them that typically I don't allow those kinds of restrictions. Um, this is a, you know, your divorce, not theirs. And that um, we're trying to help them get to a new normal. Yes. What, what a lot of parents don't understand is that the divorce and, and having to split two homes is a traumatic experience for kids. I mean, their whole life, sometimes they're now at two new homes because the marital residence. Right, that's what we did. Right. We moved four blocks away on purpose because we wanted them to be able to ride their bike and to, to go to dad's house too. or mom's house to get a cord you forgot and to be in the same neighborhood on purpose. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I tell them, you know, let's have a phone call during quiet time at the end of the day so that mom can say, well, how was your day? Well, did you and Janie make up? I remember you told me yesterday you had a fight. This allows both parents to stay integrated into the child's life and have those sort of intimate moments with their kids where they have shared stories. Well, I'm really talking to mom about my friendship with Susie because I'm not comfortable talking with dad about it, but, you know, but then there's some things going on, you know, that dad's helping child work through and they want to be able to just call dad and say, hey, guess what happened today? Or dad helped them study for a test, you know, on Friday and then it's mom's week next week. You know, 
Dad has to wait a whole week to find out how you did on your test? The idea of restricting any access to someone's parent, right. it almost feels abusive. Um, I, I think it's traumatic. I mean, I think you're, you're telling the child that there's something inherently wrong with you wanting to have contact with your parent on my parenting time. This is my parenting time. It's all about them. It's me, all about me, I me. Right. right. This is, and I tell the parents, this is your problem. You need to get over it. Oh, um, I love you. You Can might you my, tell me, go ahead. <laughs> my famous line is suck it up buttercup and get over it. <laughs> I am stealing it and I'm going to tell it to tell them it's yours. But it's true. I just had, so I also offer the service of called figuring it out, which is so hard. And I basically sit with one client at a time and then two of them at a time. And we just lay out the facts. I would never tell someone what to do. I believe mm -hmm. in marriage and love. And I also believe in healthy divorce, whatever is right for your family. But when one parent decides that this is what's the right choice for them and the other one doesn't want it no matter what, it gets ugly. It does. And how do you create boundaries for yourself and your clients? Um, so I don't typically have a lot of boundaries. <laughs> um, there's some things that by our local rules, I can't do. I can mediate anything. The idea of a parent coordinator is I have some authority to issue decisions and recommendations. Um, and I will typically file those with the court if I cannot get mutual agreement. Certain things I can't do is I can't modify any domestic violence orders or protection orders or things like that. And I can't go from mom being a residential parent to ordering them to do shared parenting. That would come in the form of a recommendation. Um, but I can order, for example, that there's going to be a clothing exchange on Wednesdays. And I can order, for example, that there's to be no communication to service providers about the shared parenting plan. And I can do temporary changes of time. So for example, um, if a very important function is coming up for one of the parents and the other parents like too bad, it's my time. I'm gonna order that you send the child, for example, for Rosh Hashanah or something like that. Mom, you need to the, the following week, you're gonna make up that time. Now, if dad already had plans or mom already had plans, you know, I don't force the issue. But I do say, let's put a plan in place for next year to make sure that this doesn't become an issue again. Right. So I'm balanced. It, it does feel balanced. I've had one where, um, it was one of the first ones I did actually, where the, right before every summer break, when dad would, was due to get his summer holiday time, mom would file some outrageous motion that, First, it was dad physically abused the child. Then it was dad sexually abused the child. Whatever the case was, there was always emotion causing dad not to get his parenting time for the summer. And so at the time that I was appointed was before summertime. And so I, I did make the decision and filed it with the court and mom had to turn the child over for summer vacation. Um, those guess, are the kinds I mean, of things I When you say those things, it's I want to get into the topic that you mentioned earlier about the creating mental health disorders and issues for these children that are growing yeah. up. How can it not affect them so negatively to hear that kind of language, especially when it's not true to just be, I mean, talk to me about what you see, how much interaction do you have with the children or is it just the adults? So I will sometimes interact um, with the children. 
Um, I try to limit that, especially if a guardian is involved. And keep in mind, I also do an extensive amount of guardian ad litem work. You do? Um, I do, yeah. Okay. So, um, so sometimes my roles, I, I use some of my parent coordination techniques when I'm the guardian. Um, for example, I have a case now where I've talked to the children. They're a little bit older. They're 12 and 15. And the one parent is saying, I want more time, I want more time. And the kids are saying, we don't want more time. And he's saying, well, that's what mom's forcing them to say that to you. And so I really had a conversation with the kids about what were their concerns, what behaviors were causing them, you know, and I don't want to hear what mom told you. Tell right. me what you, tell me what you've seen. Tell me what you've heard. Tell me your direct experiences that are causing you not to want to do this. Um, I've had, um, a situ I do a lot of situations where if the kids have a mental health provider, I will work hand in hand with the mental health provider uh, and say, okay, we're going to start working on these parenting behaviors. Can you check with the kids in a couple of weeks to see if they're noticing any improvement? Or the mental health provider will call me and say, gosh, there was this huge blow up and child came to me sobbing. And then I have to get the parents involved and say, what happened? How can we fix this and how do we make it better going forward? You can't keep doing this to your child. Um, the embarrassment, the sheer embarrassment, they don't realize sometimes how much they're embarrassing their kids. Just of all of the drama. All of the drama of one parent showing up to school because the other parent wasn't going to turn the child over for parenting time. So to make sure that he got his parenting time, he showed up and picked the child up a little bit early from school. Like this kind of stuff is so stressful for the kids. And then we use the kids as messengers um, and messages get mixed. And then this parent says, well, I don't know why your mother would have told you that. The reality was it was like a game of telephone, right? And things were lost in translation. Now we've got a child that's upset and crying to her counselor or uh, sometimes I've had a phone call from the school counselor that says, you know, the child's asked me to reach out to you um, about this going on. She says- Because they don't were, have a mature adult in their life that is making correct. smart decisions because yeah. their parents are trapped in their own anger and stories and neither of them are acting like a parent. Correct, correct. In fact, I've, I've had the conversation with um, a couple of them. Um, and one of my favorite lines is knock it off, um, stop it, you know, you are causing problems for your children. Knock it off. Have you ever seen a transformation? Has there ever been like a, a issue that was consistently horrible and then something broke them open? One of the parents. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. So there's been, there's been quite a few of those. And sometimes it takes them hearing um, from myself and from maybe the child's counselor, your behavior is creating a mental health issue in your in your child and let me tell you what that looks like you tell me you have a problem with child because of this this and this let me show you how this is directly related to your behavior now mom and dad I need a commitment for you that we're going to try something for six weeks and then we're going to see if those behaviors don't improve and so all of a sudden we see improvement in behaviors and it was like oh my gosh you know we're really doing this um, and Can you tell me like what kind of um, new changes you offer them to implement, like what kind of protocols? Um, we do exchange protocols. We do clothing protocols. We do educational protocols. We do, we set up some parallel parenting so that we remove the incentive 
for the child to misbehave when it's time to go to the other parent's house, which sometimes will happen when we have the helicopter parent versus the free range parent. Mm -hmm. um, we put communication rules in place, which basically says if what you're about to say adds no value to the conversation, you're not allowed to say it. So if we're talking about the baseball bat, then the conversation needs to be about the baseball bat. Um, we're not going to talk about you always do it, you always lose it. How could you leave it out in the rain? It, it was irresponsible. What that's doing is creating anxiety in the child that there's always going to be a problem no matter what. Whether it's my clothing, it's a problem. I lost a sock, it's a problem. We had um, a young lady um, who was having anxiety attacks because she misplaced one of the parents' bras that they had bought for her. She had a set at mom's house and a set at dad's house and the anxiety over misplaced bras. And, and she was a very active child, active in a lot of extracurricular activities and spending time with friends. It's bound to happen. But the anxiety over this parent is going to attack this parent because I did something. Um, and and it's, it's crushing to hear that this little girl who's supposed to be having fun with friends and enjoying her activities is sitting in a counselor's office for the second year in a row crying because she lost a bra. Can I tell you something that's so cool talking to you? So I re so my memoir just came out and in it I shared my whole big story. And um, the divorce was the hardest decision I've ever made, but it was absolutely the right one. And we are doing an A plus job. Awesome. Um, and I'm really proud of that. And that is why I ended up going into divorce coaching because there was different things that I was doing that I wish I would have done in the beginning. Right. And when you're talking about this extreme level, which I know is happening all the time, it literally brings tears to my eyes. And I'm not a very emotional, like teary person because I believe what me and you are doing and what the message that the world needs to hear is like what you said, stop it. Like, yeah. this is not acceptable. Like, you're this, destroying your children. Not only that, yes. you're going to destroy your grandchildren. Yeah. And you're going to destroy whoever they come in contact with. And it's because you're so angry and selfish that you can't see yeah. straight. Yeah. And it's, I don't understand why that is not so clear, but it's not because we get so stuck in our own stuff. Well, there's also the mentality, it's one of the reasons I hate doing, you know, straightforward divorces is um, because my brethren have created this, well, we're going to stick it to them and we're going to get you, you know, all this money, um, you know, and my neighbor, well, she's getting $1,800 a month in child support. Why can't I get that? Well, you know, Ohio has rules. I don't know where your friend is from, but, you know, we don't leave a father with $100 to survive off of. And don't you want your children to have a balanced home life? Most of them don't. I That's, do. I know. I mean, right. When, when we're talking about those kinds of divorces and they get to me, um, typically, and I, I can usually peg it right away and I will tell them at the intake, I can tell you, you're going to be very upset with me in a few weeks. You're not going to like what I'm going to have to say. And then I will call their attorney and say, listen, I'm going to change this mentality or your client is going to be very unhappy with me because I'm not putting up with this. We're not putting up with, unless there is something wrong with dad, there's no reason why mom must mandate 
that he's going to have supervised visitation. There's no DV. There's no drug use. There's no other concerns. Well, I, he and I just can't get along, so it just needs to be supervised. No, no, I'm not buying that. So as I said, knock it off, put your big girl pants on, mm -hmm. and let's figure out how we can do this moving forward so that you can both co-parent your child. Right. Um, and these are, these are typically the parents who get very, very upset with me. I have been called a lot of names. Um, yeah, and that's I've why been getting, I've been getting a lot of long text messages, like ranting, yeah. ranting. And I have to remember this person is very emotional and angry. And I just keep redirecting them and saying, you are at a crossroad and you have a choice. And you could stay stuck in this anger, or you can say to yourself, what can I do to make the best possible choice for my child? Right. And you have to let go of what your preconceived notions were. I, of what know. it was supposed to look like. Right? Because right. they always want to say, well, the best possible choice for my child is if we stay together. And I say, like Cheryl Sandberg said when she wrote option B, option A is no longer available. Right. This is option B. And I, I hear it so much from, you know, my moms. I can't be away from my baby overnight. I can't be away from my baby overnight. What makes that any different for a dad? You're saying it's okay. Well, but I'm the mom. I'm the mom. Okay, but this is the dad. Right. And dad had been the one that was doing bath time and books. And now that's changed. And you're saying he's not allowed to miss that as much as you're going to miss that? It's just... I don't think that when people go to the divorce that they understand all of the factors that are going to happen, which is why when I do figuring it out, I tell them the ugly side of everything. And I tell yeah. them that whether you stay together or whether you decide to part, the work that you're going to need to do is incredible. Yeah. And there's going to be pain and sacrifice either way. Yeah. But even in the best case scenario of divorce, you're going to miss your kids. But yeah. that's why they're supposed to create a life that they're excited about but you know, I get what it feels. I was a hundred percent parent before our divorce and now we're 50, 50. And that was really a very painful change for me. But I would ask myself, think about the people that you know, historically, who don't have a father in their life. Yeah. How well does that go for them? You know, right. how well does it go when they hunger so badly for a relationship and you are going to stand in the way of that? I'm not going to stand in the way when I have a healthy, willing father who just wants, and, and my ex will never admit this and it's okay, but he is a better father today because of our divorce than he would have ever been if we had stayed together because he got to show up. And I think that's true of a lot of the dads. They're going to do one of two things. They're going to show up and they're going to realize I'm this close to losing what I have. Um, or they just walk away and say, I'm just going to take my Wednesday and every other weekend. And, you know, for, for some parents that works, for some kids that works, um, you know, for some kids it doesn't. And unfortunately, in, in the culture that we live in, um, we have kids from all walks of life. And, you know, I try to make the parents understand that all the relationships need to be healthy. And so, for example, if I have a parent that has a mental health issue or has a substance abuse issue, I tell them, I'm on your side. And when you demonstrate a period of sobriety or when you demonstrate that you are engaged with a mental health provider and you're taking your medication as prescribed, 
we're going to make sure that you get the parenting time. But I can't arrange for the parenting time if you're not healthy. So, because ultimately for you, who is your ultimate interest? My kid, the kids. It's right. all my kids. Yeah. Same with me. I mean, the clients that are hiring us are adults. Yeah. But our our job is to, to protect the children, and I will put it right to their faces. What What do you? I mean, one of the cool things I do is, um, and you could totally steal this if you'd like. I I want more people to do it. Once we get through their anger and their fear and all their junk, I make them write. Remember that movie Scrooge? I think it was called Scrooge. I'm Jewish, so I don't know like the Christmas movies, but I remember like Bill Murray and like back in the 80s, I feel like, or the 90s, there was like a movie like The Ghost of Christmas Past and The Ghost of Christmas Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I make them write a letter from their children as if they were adults. And if they have more than one child, they have to write separate letters from that voice of that child because each child has their own voice. And the first letter is called The Ghost of Christmas Past. And they have to write a letter as if nothing changed in the way they were parenting and co-parenting and all of the yucky things they're doing. And the letters from the adult child to the parent saying, I wish you wouldn't have done this. Look what you did to us. Right. And then they have to read it to me. We talk about it. And then we do another session and I make them write the second letter is if they made all these changes and what they would say to them. What do you want your kids to say to you in 15 years about how you handle this? Yeah. And it really, they have to look at it. Like they, it's uncomfortable, yeah. but I think they need to be uncomfortable. I think they need to be uncomfortable. And I think, um, you know, we have to be honest. And, and I share a lot of stories with my clients. Um, you know, I went through a very messy divorce with my parents and we your had own parents as a my child. Own, yeah, my own parents. It was very, very traumatic. How and old were you? I was four. Wow. And they were in court until I was nine or 10. So for five or six years, you just had drama. Drama, back and forth to court. There was a guardian. There was, um, I remember at one point, my dad came and took us from our mom's house. Um, and my mom waited until dad went to work and came and took us back. Um, we had to write letters. I remember my dad sitting us down and making us write letters of all the bad things that my mom had done. Mm-hmm. I remember the visitation plan. To this day, I remember this visitation plan, and I was in second grade. They split the year. Each parent got six months. And so the six months that we were with dad, we got every other weekend with mom. And the six months that we were with mom, we got every other weekend with dad. How did anyone decide that? I have no idea. That's but so that was awful. awful. Thank God I had my brother. I can't imagine if I would have been an only child um, because we missed my mom so much. You know, my parents had very different parenting styles. My mom and was there was mush. no FaceTime. There was no, there was no way to communicate. No. And so the school was actually in the middle of the two parents. So, you know, one was this way and one was that way. And whenever we were at one's house, the the school was the boundary. That was as far as we were allowed to go. We weren't allowed to cross over into dad's territory. Um, And that was back in the day when we rode our bikes for hours and hours. So when you got like married or had exciting celebrations, were you tense and anxious thinking about how is, how are we going to do this with both parents? So, yeah. So um, my college graduation was an absolute train wreck and my two best friends, I put one best friend with my mom and one best friend with my dad, um, to try and keep them apart. 
but um, because I what was, would happen when they were together? They would always fight. It, it was always, and, and my dad could be very, very, very loud. Um, and then I will tell you that when I was graduating law school, I'd had enough of it. And I said, I'm having, I'm having one dinner. You're going to sit there and behave or don't bother to come. I am them, so impressed with you. I feel, I want to like hug you that you had to even endure that. And I'm so proud of you that you said that because you know what? Shame on them. They miss out. Yeah. So what happened when you did it? One of them chose not to show. Their yes. loss. How Their often loss. do they have a daughter that graduates from law school? Exactly. Um, so I said I wasn't doing it and too bad, so sad. I Catch think you. that is a great tool for yeah. anyone that's listening that's an adult child or a teenage child of divorce is you put it back on them and you say, look, I'm doing this. I'm sick of splitting everything. Uh, you guys need to behave like adults. This yeah. is where this is happening. My celebration is this. I do not want to ruin it. If you'd like to behave and come, we would love to have you. Yeah. And, and after that, I mean, I think things pretty much settled down with the parents um, there really wasn't that many other occasions that had come up. Um, you know, I was living overseas and so my son was born overseas. Um, so unfortunately they weren't there for that, but, um, yeah, that was the point where I realized, and that's what I share with my clients is you're trying to get your kids to force to pick a favorite. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up losing your child because they're going to have enough of this they're going to get wrapped up in their own lives and they're going to have their own drama and breaking up with their boyfriends. As they and, should, because they're children. And they should. Yeah. yeah. And so stop trying to get them to choose between the two of you. So, yeah, that's... I'm really impressed with the work you're doing. I could talk to you forever. I have one last question because I know sure. our time is almost up. For those listening who are divorced or are going through a divorce and, and they hear that they're doing some of these things, maybe not all of them, but they know that they're not behaving. Like if you were watching them on a video, they know that that's not cool. What advice or guidance do you have for them right now? What I will tell everybody is that there's a workable solution for every problem. We can find a way, it's gonna, it's gonna require compromise. There's gonna have to be a little bit of give and take, but there is a solution to every problem that is focused on the well-being of the child and, and that's the ultimate goal so you know sit down think about it think about how you can make it work work with a professional a mediator a mental health provider there's lots of counselors out there that do co-parent counseling parent coordination is becoming more prominent use a parent coordinator they're not all the same um and i don't know where you're your you are but in Ohio. Oh, okay. So yeah. in Ohio, um, we have to have very special training and you don't, you can't just sign up and take the training. You have to right. have judicial approval to take the training. Right. So work with one of these professionals that has seen a lot of this and we'll have two, three, four solutions that we can tweak and work through. Right. This yeah. is almost like a scared straight episode for my listeners because the majority of them are really trying to have a North Star divorce and they kind of veer off the path once in a while. And this is the extreme of what their life could be like if they don't do this really important work, which is why I don't um, do what you're doing. I do just coaching as, you know, I'm not willing to work with a client that's not willing to make these simple choices 
because they don't want this. They don't want that result. And I can't convince them that they do. Otherwise, they're going to end up in front of you through the court. But now some of the clients that do come, um, they're like, listen, you know, I've had them years ago and they come back and they're saying, you know, we're going down the same path again. We got a couple of issues. And I said, well, come on in. Let's have a couple sessions. Let's get it straightened back out and get back on the right path. So it's not always, right. you know, they're about ready Extreme. to kill each other. Right. right. It's about having somebody, a neutral person, help them come up with the solution. Yes. But I think the fact that those parents that are coming to you means they are willing to change. They don't want to cause harm. They can feel it. They see the discomfort they're causing and they're asking for help. Right. That's different than someone who's ordered to you and right. is is not, can't even see how they're behaving. Well, they can't see it, but a lot of them that I've worked with over time, when things settle down, they're like, oh my God, this is such a relief. I thought this was going to be worse than it really was. And those are the people that come back that were ultra high conflict and realize yes. that we have solutions. There's things we can do. Relax. There's another way. Right? Yeah. There's another yeah. way. I want you to say your famous line before we get off. Knock it off. <laughs> I am so great. No, my favorite one is buttercup. Suck it up, buttercup. I Suck love it. it off. Thank yeah. You. Thank you so, so much. You Thanks are for having doing me. such good work and I'm so grateful for your time. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Take care. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.